0: Yo, this hot, this the spot,
1: there it is, pod We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no don't sweat, yo, cause there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any kind. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. Very much appreciate that. Fun episode for you this week. I try to have a fun episode every single week, but this one is also a fun one. Uh, You've heard her already, Jill Valentine. She chatted with us on the episode about comedy festivals and uh, she is from Chicago. She had a couple of festivals to talk about, the Women's Funny Festival and the, the Chicago Sketch Festival. So uh, very cool uh, that we had her on for that. But very cool that we're going to be chatting with her right now about all the work that she does. She does a ton of things. She's an actress, she's a writer, a director, and she's a director in a couple of ways. She directs sketches, but she's also the executive director at Stage 773 in Chicago. So, lots to chat about with her, lots to learn about. It's a really good discussion. Let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Jill Valentine. Is it tough having the same name as a popular video game character? Because I imagine... (laughs) When you ask people to Google you, it can be kind of challenging. Uh, Yeah,
2: Yeah, we actually wrote a song about that in one of my shows. Um, Oh. But the only weird thing about it is that, like, sometimes I get, like, a weird guy that'll be like, hey, do you know Joe Valentine? And I'm like, yes, yes. (laughs) And then I just get the weirdest friend requests on Facebook or, like, Instagram, like, creepos, you know. Yeah. Looking for (laughs) Jill. Yeah.
1: The thing that's (laughs) kind of sad about that, too, is that if... Um somebody just sort of cosplayed as Jill Valentine and acted like they were a real person. They would get a ton <laughs> of people who would be duped and thinking that Jill, totally. Val- that, that that Jill Valentine was a real person. <laughs> <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> but you do comedy, yeah. not video games. And um mm-hmm. when did you get your start in comedy?
2: Um I feel like I've kind of always been a comedian, even as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, I was kind of the class clown growing up and, um, generally the class clown was a boy. So (laughs) that was different. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, uh, but yeah, I just feel like I've, I've been kind of, uh, you know, um, in, in that vein for, for my whole life. But when I started actually, um, performing would be, I think grammar school, I did like my first play and, um, you know, once I heard the laughs, I just like, I wasn't crazy about it. I was so excited. So, yeah, so I started theater pretty young.
1: And um, when did it become sort of, a, a, I guess, when did you start taking an approach to comedy that was more educational? I mean, obviously, you're getting educated with theater things, but when, you, when did yeah. you start doing uh, stuff at the theaters, the, the improv or comedy theaters?
2: Um, Actually, when I was in high school, there was some Second City classes for high schoolers. And um, because I'm from the south side of Chicago, I was lucky enough to know about it at a young age. Mm. And um, so I started taking classes in high
1: school. Oh, cool. Yeah. Getting in at a good impressionable age.
2: Right, yeah.
1: (laughs) I know you have some I.O. experience. Were you taking classes there? Are you someone who... Goes to both theaters.
2: So at the time, I was, I went through Second City and then I went through the conservatory. Mm-hmm. And then I was um, lucky enough to find my comedy family in a group called the Cupid Players, which is musical sketch comedy. And at that time in 1999, that was, that really wasn't an art form at the time. Now it's mm-hmm. a huge art form. But right. back in the day, we didn't really have musical sketch comedy. So when we started it, we were kind of the first. And so it kind of blew up. And in that, um, I met a lot of people that I still, you know, am performing with and love, and have been my comedy family. Um, And so, what happened was we we opened a show at Second City, and it it got extended and extended and extended. And then um, we went over to IO and showed Sharna the show, mm-hmm. and she loved it. And so we ran there for almost ten years on an open run. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a heck of a run. The shows.
2: Yeah, it was it was a long run. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I and a, and Saturday, a very good time to have a good run like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, we were really lucky because we got to, you know, normally in this art form, you do eight weeks, you do mm-hmm. six weeks, you do four weeks, you do one night, you know, and in this we got to hone it, hone it and hone it and hone it and write and rewrite and um and come up with like a really good product that was selling out every week. So it was it was such a fun, exciting time.
1: Yeah, you know, with um, the way improv and uh, improv theaters and the sketch departments of these theaters, the way they've blown up the last few years, uh, there's just a lot that people can, can see. But, you know, 15 years ago, for someone to, or for a group to have that sort of success at that time, I mean, the cream of the crop was what was rising to the top at that time period because theaters could say well we've got to they they could focus a certain way in education and also totally. uh in adapting what's on their on their stage and mm-hmm. um i think it's really impressive that you were doing that back then because that was the time that all these people were coming out and, and doing big stuff
2: yeah it was you know i look back and i you know, when you're in it, you're just doing it, and that's right. what it is. But, you know, I look back, at, and those were some, like, really amazing years for us, like just um, a really fun, exciting time.
1: Oh, yeah. Any particular stories that really stick out about that time period?
2: At that time... Um, We were just starting to hone the Chicago Sketch Comedy Festival. So Mm
0: -hmm.
2: uh, the Cupid players got to perform all across the country, which was really exciting because we were scouting other festivals that were happening at the time and learning from them. So we were at Miami Improv Festival. We were in Portland. We were in Seattle. We were in um, San Francisco. We went to South Carolina. Um, So we performed kind of all over the country and just not only, you know, Learning about all the different comedy that was out there, you know, nationally, but also how are they doing their festivals? What's the best way to do their festival? What can we take and learn from them? And also networking with mm-hmm. other groups across the country so they would come to Chicago. So mm-hmm. it was really, really cool that we had those opportunities.
1: Yeah, you focused mostly on sketch.
2: Yes, I um I did. Uh, <laughs> Sharna got me to do the Deltons. Um, mm-hmm. Which is their kind of their main stage musical improv show, right? Um, and so uh, I was terrified because it was like all the greats were on the stage at the time, so yeah. like Blaine Swen, Lindsay Haley, Terry Francisco, Rance Rizzuto, Joe Bill—you know, like just mm-hmm. huge names—and I was terrified. Um, and. Uh, but I did. I did do that. And so I, I ran with them for a couple of years. And that was just a, a ton of fun and terrifying. And <laughs> because they were so good, you know, you're yeah. learning and you have to be up to their caliber. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, so that was like, that was so much fun. And there's so many names I'm missing, like Craig Euler, There's, you know, it was just, it was an awesome time.
1: Oh, yeah. You mentioned that uh, Sharna got you to do it and it almost sounded like yeah. she had to do some extra pep talking or something to sort of convince <laughs> she, you
2: to do yeah, it. Yes. She, she told me I should do it. And I was like, oh, my!" I like I literally like physically cried before the show. Like I was oh. crying. I was so scared, you know, <laughs> and. Um, she was like, just get in the back and just, you know, hum along and do the moves, <laughs> like just be in the back. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, and I, the thing is, I knew I should do it. I knew I should, mm-hmm. you know, and I knew I could do it, but it was just so scary. So, um, yeah, I, I think like the first few months I did it, I, I think I was literally almost sick before shows. And then after I did it, I was fine. But it was, yeah, she she had to push a little bit. Right. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm so glad I did. But yeah, I was
1: terrified. <laughs> You've done a, a great deal of things, of, as we've already talked about, and you're one of the multi hyphenates because you have you're, you're an actor, you're a writer, you're a director, uh, you know, improv and sketch comedian. Um, when did obviously writing was coming in because you're doing sketch, but um, did directing start coming in at that point too, or is that something that came in a little later?
2: Um, well, with the Cupid Players, what was really exciting about that project is because it was so ensemble-driven. I got to help kind of direct in that in that group. Um, you can write, you know, you can create your own music. Like it was, it was really cool. So then, from there, um, and being involved in Sketchfest, I met so many other sketch comedians and some young younger groups too. And so I was asked to direct um, my first show. Gosh, maybe ten years ago, and I loved it. I I Mm. really, really loved it. And so from there, I've directed a bunch. um, And it's just like a kind of a side thing that I I love to do. And um, it's it's just interesting, you know, putting a show together from that perspective, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of a fluke. You know, someone asked me and I was like, "Uh, okay. And then I tried it and, you know, then you learn.
1: How would you... Define that difference between uh the perspectives there of of putting a show together from a writing or acting standpoint to a director's standpoint
2: um I think because when you're writing it you're inside of it you mm-hmm. know you're inside of a particular sketch you're inside a particular moment and from mm-hmm. a director's standpoint you're looking at it thirty thousand feet from above, mm-hmm. so you're looking at it as a whole is there a thematic you know uh, piece to this is there you know are we trying to say something is there a stylized thing we're doing you know mm-hmm. um, so it, it's cool to look at it as a whole and then also it's awesome to be like okay well I'm done go on stage and do it <laughs> you get to walk and sit in the audience you know <laughs> that's always fun too yeah um yeah but but I, I I think it's really cool to kind of put it all the pieces
1: together mm-hmm. um do you prefer to do one of them at a time or do you find that it actually helps to be able to do a few at a time? Like if you're either just writing or just directing or writing and directing at the same time?
2: Um, like for instance, if I'm in a show, I would not like to direct it. You mm-hmm. know, I think an outside perspective is always good.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but to me, I feel like the busier you are, um, the more you get done, you know, With your time, the better you are, you know, and the older Mm -hmm. you are like now before festivals, you know, we used to have like very long (laughs) rehearsal processes. Now (laughs) it's like, what can we get done in four?
1: What can we
2: finish in four? (laughs) You know, like, and and you just get more like productive.
1: I bet. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. One of the things I am interested in that you just mentioned was trying to get a show done when you have less time because your time is now crucial because of the different things you're doing. Yeah. How can an actor, and we, we could go through each of them, an actor, a writer, a director, get more prepared so that they can deliver when they have limited time?
2: I think the best thing to do is have a deadline deadline have something that scares the shit out of you. So you have to put something on stage. So fear is so motivating. So I would definitely have something terrifying at the end and then work your way backwards. So, you know, um, from the performance, then you go back and you say address rehearsal. Then you say memorized by this point, then you say written by this point, then you say choreographed by this point, you say, you know, um, any music, any technical aspect, all of that. So I, I always work back because I like to see the road. Because if I don't see the road, I don't see a clear path. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. To me, it makes me feel more comfortable saying, okay, Mm -hmm. I see a road. I see what needs to be done in each of these rehearsals so that way I can get to that terrifying ending.
1: I just auditioned for a sketch team, and it's something that I sort of not until recently really thought, okay, let me try to do this. Uh, Do you have any advice for people who... Want to get on sketch teams as an actor uh, or a writer? Uh, do you have any advice for them for how they can improve? Because that is something that I, th- I would, I personally would like to improve at.
2: Watch as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you learn so much from sitting in the audience.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I know tech people that because they've watched a hundred shows, they can walk on stage and kill it. You know, without with even right. less training, because they see what works and what doesn't. Um, so I would say watch as much as you can, and I would say surround yourself with people that are better than you, if you can, <laughs> because you will work up to, you know, to their level. And then, you know, I think throughout your journey, you find your you find your tribe, you know, you find your family, your comedy family, who works with you, who has the same, same funny as you, you know, same work ethic. As you go through your comedy career, like at this point in, in my career, I work with people I love. And who I love having time with and who I enjoy because no one's worth a pain in the ass. You know what I mean? No comedy. I don't care how good you are. If you're a pain in the ass, I don't want to work with you. You know what I mean? So, so oh, yeah. through your time, you'll start, yeah, you'll start finding those people that are just so like-minded and you just have an amazing time with them on stage. That's what it's all about.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I, I like several things that you're saying in that because for one, yeah, it's not worth the time. But then also it is all about the time that you're having on that stage. And if it's if it's with the right people, then it's special and that's why you wanted to get into it to begin with.
2: Right. No one's making a million dollars. This is right. your you know right. this is your your side game, you know, unless you're lucky enough for it to be your, you know, full time gig. So mm-hmm. you have to have a great time doing it. If you're having a great time, the audience is having a great time and your players are having a great time.
1: Yeah, for sure. Since, you know, you've done so much, I assume you're doing some instructing as well. Uh, Are you doing any teaching of, like, sketch or anything?
2: Um, You know, I never was the teacher type. Mm. Um, The only thing I've ever done teaching-wise is um, corporate training,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um, improv in corporate training. And um, we kind of got it, it... uh, me and my buddy Liz Macarthur, sh- you know, she and I were flying to different places and and teaching improv in the workplace, and it was so cool. And I didn't think it would be. I was like, "This is gonna be weird," but it was awesome because it really does. You know, putting the yes in the workplace is really <laughs> beneficial and listening because you you don't understand how bad we are at listening, <laughs> you know, and um, and supporting. So that would be the only, yeah, the only way. I've done a little bit here and there, but um, but that would be probably the extent of my teaching.
1: You know, and I I respect that because a lot of people, you know, it's not their bag, you know, and and they shouldn't feel like they have to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they're different. Right. Uh, they're different things for people to do.
2: Right. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I run a theater um, stage seven seven three. So yeah. Rather than teaching, that's my full time job.
1: Yeah. And that's really neat. Let's talk a little bit about Stage 773 uh, because you are the director of operations there. Um, let's talk about the Actually, history. I got of promoted. Oh. I'm
2: executive director
1: now. Ooh, congrats. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> um, let's talk about the history of that and how you got involved there and how it st- all started.
2: Sure. Um, so as I said, like I started with the Chicago sketch comedy festival and the Cupid players Mm -hmm. and then, um, me and Brian and Brian, the other two Brian's, we, um, as we were kind of navigating what we wanted to do, um, we decided we wanted to build a board and a business plan and have a home of our own. And so we did that. Um, and we wrote our own business plan and we got some funding and, um, And then we were modeling our business plan off this place called the Theater Building, which had been a building since 1977. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And for some reason, you know, it was in the stars for us to have that building in particular. And when they were ready to be done with the building, we were ready to buy the building. And so we took over the operations of the building, and then we did a $1.5 million renovation because it needed some love. Mm -hmm. And now it's a 4 theater complex in Lakeview, and it's a non-for-profit. And, um, yeah, so there's four theaters, seven nights a week, and we have all different types of art forms in the building from dance to musicals, to magic, to burlesque, to children's programming, um, just like all sorts of, um, arts organizations.
1: That's great. That's really great. Yeah. And like, that's like you said, it's a four theater complex. So there's so much that you can do there. Um, Totally. And that people can, uh, can take in. Totally. Now let's get into a sort of process, uh, so that we can then try to demonstrate that at the end. Okay. S- a sketch seems like a, a good avenue to go down when talking about a process of creating something.
0: Mhm.
1: Um, when you're when you come up with an idea for a sketch, what are some? If someone's trying to write something, they have an idea, but they just don't know really where to begin or they just have the beginning and they don't know where to go from there what are some steps that a person can take to really break an idea and make it work as a sketch
2: um you know sometimes uh say you're in a group always bring it to the group because mm-hmm. six minds are better than one yeah and um and even if that that particular idea doesn't pop maybe something else can you know come from it someone can grab an idea from that and that can work Sometimes if something just has a hard start for me, I put it to the side and I start on something else because if I'm just sitting there and I keep butting my head and I'm alone, I move on. Um, Sometimes it's just keep writing, keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. Um, And some, some little nugget will come from that. Um, I think, you know, everyone kind of has their own process. Me in particular, I bring it to, you know, other writers that I know are great writers and get their perspective. And if not, then I just put it to the side and and get to the next idea.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's, that's great advice because I do get sort of bogged down. Like if one idea isn't really working, then I'm, I can get to, a um, oh, well, I just got to sit with it for a little bit longer. And that really hurts productivity.
2: Yeah. And if you keep butting your head and nothing's coming from it, because there's sometimes I'll, I'll have, you know, a sketch to the, to the side. Like Mm -hmm. I was just looking at sketches that I wrote yesterday Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, this is good. What happened with this? You know, or, or wow, this sparks a different idea. So like Mm -hmm. when you pick it up with fresh eyes, fresh perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, something might come from it.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things that is uh, the challenge in creating anything, whether it's songs or or sketches or jokes, is that um, you sort of have to uh, uh, kick your brain in the gear so that it starts uh, coming up with ideas, and then you're putting out ideas, and when one doesn't work, you have the capacity to move on. I think that's totally. that is a big obstacle for people and a and a big speed bump is that. Um, they stop having ideas because when they hit a wall with one idea, then they start, you know, saying they suck and they can't do this. Right, and that, that right. That really will stifle your creativity. Um, totally. Yeah. Um, that yeah. is that is a thing that I've just heard from a lot of different kinds of creators is that, you know, even if it's bad, then they just sort of follow it through uh, to what they can follow it through and then they just move on. And um, Totally. And that's... That's part of the process.
2: Yes. When you see an improv group that's, like, an amazing improv group and they get, for some reason, they get into, like, the worst possible situation Mm -hmm. of, like, you know... The dildo scene or whatever you know the <laughs> obvious awful scene
0: mm-hmm. and they
2: just they're laughing in there but they're riding it out and they're playing it because this is where they're supposed to go and this is where they're going and you know there's nothing funnier than that happening too you know <laughs> right i just seeing where is this awful idea going you know <laughs> let's die and just see how this goes you know but yeah. if, if you are stifled if you're frustrated it's good to just it's okay you know put the aside this is comedy you know what i mean this is like not you know, there's nothing serious about this. Put it to the side. Get on to the next thing. You know, right,
1: right. Um, that's uh, that's I think really great advice. Now, when when someone uh, or when you're writing, mm-hmm. do you have uh, a way you try to break ideas down, or like a, like a specific process, or is it or is it just kind of coming natural?
2: I don't think there's a process. I think some there are some writers that really do have a methodology to the way they kind of move through a script.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I definitely don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's because, you know, um, like for some, for, uh, I'm in a group called Off-Off-Broadway, which is mm-hmm. uh, burlesque parody sketch comedy, and there's mu- musical sketch comedy component too. So writing songs, because I've written songs for so long,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I, I get to the chorus. I get to the funny. Um, I always know that the punchline is the fourth line. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So mm-hmm. there's like, in that way, in writing um, in writing songs, I know that I have to get to a punchline. Mm-hmm. So work up from the punchline. You know, when I write um, just, you know, two-person sketch comedy, um, maybe I go a little character-driven. You know, I might write a little more character-driven knowing the players you know um I think it depends on the project you're working on at least for me that's Mm -hmm. kind of how I roll it depends on the project I'm writing for um but there's nothing like specific you know Mm -hmm. like for instance I'm in this group with this I keep saying Liz MacArthur but she wrote this sketch where (laughs) literally we're in like Neon glasses, and there is a toaster in between us. And then the heat is on. The song "The Heat Is On" is going on, <laughs> and we put toast in the toaster, and we're dancing to it. You know, like how do you write, uh, you know, in a specific method for that right. kind of sketch? Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it just depends on what what you know, what kind of sketch, what you are writing for, what's the punchline? You
1: mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that that point about how do you write that. It reminds me of some of Jerry Lewis's classic comedy bits where they're, you know, like in, uh, was it The Bellboy or The Bellhop? Where he's, there are a couple Mm -hmm. of scenes in that where you can't write that out. It's just like he walks across a room, (laughs) you know? Right.
2: Exactly. Or like the phone's ringing
1: and he doesn't know which phone because there are 12 (laughs) phones on the desk, you know?
2: Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally character driven. If I write the lines out, but it said like he would say it. You know, if you're reading it, that's not funny, but once he's doing it, it's hilarious. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I think there's something like that in uh Anchorman, like a one of the famous scenes of the many famous scenes of that was when he's in the ATM and or not the ATM, the uh phone booth and he's he's yelling about Baxter. Adam McKay said that in the script it just says Ron yells. <laughs> totally. So he's just it's yes. riffing of course, but it's just like, you know, right. you don't reading that script, you don't go, "Oh, I can't wait till I see that scene" because it just Totally. You know, who knows what that scene's going to be? <laughs>
2: right. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um what um what sort of advice do you have uh for someone who's saying who's just excited about the prospect of going into sketch comedy or or uh they want to move to Chicago and and learn what sort of advice do you have for them
2: Anyone who's uh who wants to get into um comedy come to Chicago you know my, my I guess like overall I would say See as much as you can. Um, take classes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Round out your life, though. So, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if you're stuck in a theater all the time, your perspective is a theater. If you're traveling, if you're learning, if you're nerding out about this and that and this, you have so many perspectives and so much information to bring to a sketch, to bring to an improv, to bring references to you know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. some people get stuck inside a class or stuck inside a theater that round out your whole life. You know, mm-hmm. okay. learn as much as you can about as much as you can.
1: Yeah, that is pretty crucial advice because, other, you know, otherwise you're just writing about the culture of comedy.
2: Totally. totally.
0: And,
1: um, you know, people talk about that with improv where you're just doing improv about improv. But that can happen when all you're taking in is comedy and you're not taking totally. in other things. And-
2: Yes, and then it's just funny to us, you know? Right, It's not right. funny to the, to
1: the audience, right? Right. They you don't know, get our inside jokes. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes, who knows what will spark an idea, but some of the classic sketches on SNL, some of those were because someone was watching some sort of war documentary, you know? <laughs> like, it could be anything right. that, that totally. sparks an idea, and it's because they're taking in other stuff.
2: Some of the best improvisers I've ever seen are the biggest nerds oh yeah they're like the weirdest biggest smartest nerds yeah. like I know they got their ass beat in high school <laughs> I know they did and they are killing it on stage you know what I mean like yeah. they're just killing it because they're so intelligent they're mm-hmm. so smart they can riff on anything and everything and to you know to watch those people kill it it's like oh my god
1: yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's. it can also be a little discouraging because I'm like, well, I'm not that smart. But you can always educate yourself.
2: You can, but you're also smart about different things. You know, like right. I am so smart about the Real Housewives of Atlanta, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. Like, you know, there's certain things I know so much about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, wh- whatever, you know, whatever you're interested in, you know, you, you do know a, a lot about a lot of things you know yeah. and that's what you should bring to the stage
1: absolutely um, one of the things that you mentioned and it's something that I've mentioned a bunch of times and, and I've heard other people mention is watching shows because you'll learn a lot yeah. from it um, what is it about that because now I've, I've said it so much that I'm almost not sure how to advise someone to watch a show so what is it we're looking for when we're when we're watching a show to learn
2: um, I think it's watch what works, watch mm-hmm. what doesn't work, try to understand why it didn't work, and try to understand why it did work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, if you ever, I don't know if you've ever been in position, obviously we all audition for things, you know? Mm-hmm. If you've ever been in a position of watching auditions or being on the other side of it, you understand so much more about mm-hmm what what the audition should look like or shouldn't look like. It, it's just taking that perspective of being the audience, you know, and putting yourself back to watch it as a whole. Um, I, I auditioned so much better after I was on the other side of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? Like, you, you're like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's weird that that's <laughs> happening or that's awkward. Oh, that seems to go right. You know, so I think it's just whatever, you know, whatever's killing it, why is it killing it? Why is this working? Why is this not working? And you'll start just seeing it, you know, because even us as comedians, as we watch a show, you wish you could watch like your mom would watch a show or your friends would watch a show who's not, who are not in comedy just to enjoy it. Right. But sometimes we don't watch that way. We watch with a different perspective.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Um, you know, breaking it down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's okay. You know? And, and so it is about, like yeah, again, watching what works
1: and what doesn't. Oh yeah, and it's the funny thing about that is because uh, I've been trying to watch from that perspective of like let me learn since I was in junior high, and mm-hmm. um, it it did get to a point where uh, sometimes you're not you're not enjoying the show because you're watching wow. it from the let me learn brain, um, and right. then you watch it a second time and you're laughing a bunch, but um, totally. I found that there are certain shows, 30 Rock was, was one like this for me, that um, I would just, my brain would just click off into paying attention as an audience member. And then I would get halfway That's into the episodes like, oh, this is so funny. Oh, this is exactly what I should be watching to learn from. <laughs> but I, it, yeah. it's just like, it's so well put together that it just makes you start just watching it.
2: And enjoying it. Yeah, which is nice. Because- yeah. You know, when they say, like, you're. I went to Ireland one time and this guy was like, Oh, do you know there's this great comedy festival when you're there? And I'm like, Why in the hell would I go see a comedy festival when I'm in Ireland?
0: Yeah. And they're
2: like, Oh, because your business is funny. I get it. So your job is fun. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, Okay, I guess from your perspective, you know, so Mm -hmm. it is about like, you know, we, we watch with different eyes you know, certain Mm -hmm. things. Mm So in those comedy shows, we do watch with different eyes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's good to take in some other stuff sometimes, too. Totally. Um, Well, we've gotten to the end of the episode here where we can uh, uh, create something together, and uh, it doesn't have to be a big thing. I I, I do have, since you have uh, such a great sketch mind, um, I, I use my notes on my iPhone to just jot down ideas. Um, okay. and I have a bunch of sketch ideas, but I've never sat down to try to write any. Maybe oh. I can uh mention what the idea is, and you can say, Oh, maybe that'll work uh, if you go in this direction, or I don't see if that could work. I don't know, whatever you would <laughs> okay. suggest. And the, yeah, uh, so I'll rattle off a couple. One is already my favorite, <laughs> these are all know, ridiculous but... ideas from the last couple months, but one was uh. <laughs> An employee keeps using vulgar passwords uh, to <laughs> log in to their account. And HR <laughs> finds out because of IT. So then they kind of get in I trouble.
0: Love it. I uh, love that. <laughs> um, I love that. I love
1: that. Because, like, how could yeah. like they make you change the password every 30 days? And at some point, you're just going to run out. And you just have to use ridiculous things, right?
2: Oh, I love <laughs> I think like, the way I would do that is because I would maybe take HR out of it right away and I mm-hmm. would have like a new hire come in mm-hmm. and uh, the new hire, you know, I, I see like three or four people on stage. Like, so I would have a new hire come in and they're like, oh, uh, Bob, can uh, can Jennifer use your uh, computer? It's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And Bob, <laughs> so then they're like, oh, there's, it's password protective. And then like, obviously he said something like, but love in my jammies yeah. or whatever <laughs> something awful something so hilarious and everyone just stops and looks and he spells it out you know i don't know <laughs> it, it just i think it should just get worse and maybe it, like the first one is just a little inappropriate just like a little you're just like a little like
1: oh <laughs> like people could maybe so just toss it off it's like oh well you know that's all right
2: <laughs> right yes like something a little off and then it just gets to where it's like the worst, like the worst. I love that idea. I think that's hilarious. I think okay.
1: that's great. Great, thank you. And here's another yeah. one. Um, so you know those dog food commercials where uh, they sit dog owners down and they say, um, "What do you like?" Uh, we have different brands here. We have what's in the food, but we're not going to show you what the brand is. Uh, we're going to show okay. you what's in the dog food, and then the the owner finds out like. Oh, that's really terrible stuff. I wouldn't want to feed my dog that, and then they find out that that's their brand that they've been feeding their dog okay. so like so they show like what's in the food, and then the person's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go with you know whatever <laughs> whatever it's called um mm-hmm. uh the good one that's supposed to be so healthy for dogs, but then they say, like, yeah. now let's look in your food and see what's in your your human food <laughs> that you're feeding yourself. oh
2: my God, oh, that's uh, fun."
1: Yeah, I don't know hmm. where the really the angle to me is just like humans eat horribly and here like you know we shouldn't feed dogs you know what? bad I could food. I would see that
2: as a runner. I would see that as a runner. So okay. I would do the first one like the regular commercial uh-huh. so it's not funny, you know, mm-hmm. but it's a little like interesting. Mm-hmm. And then I would bring it back and do maybe the human or is there a middle one? Um, mm-hmm. And what's even worse? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you could even do what's in your baby food or what's oh. in your adult food. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like something awful, like, in your baby. Like, cause you, that's yeah. what you don't want to hurt babies and you don't want to hurt puppies. You know right, what I mean? Like, right. you don't want to fuck with those. So I might do it as a runner mm-hmm. and, like, have it get way more ridiculous. Oh, okay. Because you have to show how it's supposed to be and then you have to fuck with it.
1: Uh-huh. Okay.
2: That's how I would maybe, maybe go with
1: it. Okay. And uh, my, my, the last idea I'll share um, is uh, some thieves have taken a, a victim hostage, and uh, they're trying to get into their bank, into this victim's bank account. So they got, like, you know, they're mean bad guys. They got a gun to the head. And they're getting okay. their, their bank login info so they can steal their money. And they start asking the security questions like you know your first pet's name or favorite movie I love it. and so the thieves the thieves when they say like you know what's your favorite movie and then they type the you know guy says it's this then the thieves get sort of sidetracked they're like that's your favorite movie
2: I like love it's a ridiculous it. movie for the, the, the,
1: the, it's like i, I don't love know that. that turn could be really funny
2: yes cuz um you know how they also ask like where did you go up uh-huh and they could be like what do you know this guy? You know, like, <laughs> oh, like yeah. I'm trying to think of all the questions. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, total sidetrack.
1: Like, First uh, car is like, oh, my dad had a blazer when I was a kid.
2: Exactly. Yes. And then there has to be one that like just affects them like emotionally where I think like, I don't know what it is, but like, um, what's your mother's maiden name? Uh you know like you could do like oh my god like we know her we blah 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 you know or whatever i think there should be like then come into some kind of conflict of how the we can't rob this guy (laughs) like it just gets harder and harder to rob him because of his security questions i
1: think that's fun okay cool well thanks for the tips there it is yeah no problem thanks so much for being on the podcast jill
2: yeah no it was so nice i'm so happy to do it
1: So glad to have her on. A big thanks to Jill Valentine for her time. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that and learned a lot. I feel like there are a lot of really great tips in there. And uh, some good encouragement as well. So get out there, watch a bunch of stuff, but watch a variety of things. Don't just watch comedy. And um, if you are not in the comedy world, but you are trying to create something else or work on different things, again, like see where you can find inspiration in things that are not what you are working in, the medium that you're working in. Look at something else. Watch something else. Read something else. Take in something completely different, and then maybe some ideas will get sparked. And uh, that's that's what we need, you know? That's, uh, that's, that's what we're going for when we're trying to create stuff. You can find Jill Valentine online, but <laughs> boy howdy. <laughs> it's tough. Uh, I wanted to try out saying boy howdy, and I don't know how I feel about it. I don't think I liked it. I like it when other people say boy howdy. Uh, but uh, no, I don't think uh, it's for me. Anyway... You can find this Jill Valentine that I just chatted with on Twitter, at Jill M. Valentine. Tons and tons of Jill Valentines on social media, and most of them are not real human people. You can also find Stage 773 on both Twitter and Facebook, at stage 773 and also on twitter you can find us at there it is pod you can find me at jason far jokes head on over to facebook and like us at there it is pod well that's today's episode hope you enjoyed it next week's episode i'm very excited to share with you a fun person i got to chat with and uh we got a, a lot of fun things coming up well until next time folks be good to each other